Congratulations, you found it! This is a book podcast featuring books you will want to read. Recommended by people who are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Featuring Martha Steele, radio personality extraordinaire and queen of the volunteer librarians. Nicole Shaded, sports animal wrangler, shield maiden, and book warrior. And Vonnie Golden, healthcare billing diva, volunteer librarian, and book goddess. Together, slaying the dragons, catching serial killers, exploring history, space-time, and alternative realities. Searching for and finding book treasures every week. They are three book girls. I'm adjusting my coffee. I have to have the thing for the, that you drink out exactly across from the seam. And then I really like it better if my Starbucks thing matches my cup, which it does not, so I can't do that. God, you were so OCD. So... That's kind of guy. That's insane right there. Do you see what? that, Jessica? Oh, I you know. You should watch her eat pizza. Do you she know that she takes She can't off. eat pizza. Do you know that she takes off each individual ingredient and eats that, and then she'll eat the next ingredient? I watched her sort a bag of M&Ms. On top. <laughs> and then she eats the crust with nothing on it at the end. By color, and there's a specific color order she has to eat her M&Ms in. Mm -hmm. Although I did switch it up the other day, <laughs> and I ate my green ones second to last instead of last. <gasps> <laughs> the scandal. I have to sort my skin. It's going to be a too. headline. The Oklahoma Gazette. <laughs> oh, the Oklahoma Gazette. Yes. They followed us on they SoundCloud. They followed us on that SoundCloud. That was awesome, because I love the Gazette. That's like one of my favorite magazines to, or newspapers to read. They have very good writers. Mm -hmm. They do. Maybe Their we stuff get, is interesting. Maybe we could get somebody from the Oklahoma Gazette to come on the show. That would be awesome. That, that would be I'm awesome. I'm sure that they have readers. I mean. Well, of course they have readers. They're yeah. a newspaper. Exactly. But I'm bumped. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone. I have you mean people who read need, novels? Need more yeah, coffee. I'm sure they have people there who read novels. What we'll have I to see mean. if we can. Vani, that's your job. Call the Gazette and get us a person. Well, I'll just, um, I'll Twitter them. You'll Twitter them? Mm -hmm. You'll tweet them? I'll tweet them. With a twit. What is the the proper logo for that language lingo, lingo. i don't know i have no idea I'll i'm really bad at being a millennial guys i don't know <laughs> yeah, what help are you jessica <laughs> i know right well i am not a millennial we had this conversation at my new job the other day because one of a lot of our patients are older because i work at a physical therapy clinic and they've had like you know hip replacements or knee replacements and they're like, we don't understand what you guys are ever talking about. You should have this weird lingo. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny because Tyler was talking about millennials the other day. And he said that, you know, millennials get a bad rap because not all millennials are exactly the same. Well, it's oh, the yeah. same with every generation. That's what we were telling yeah. them. We were telling this lady. Which because... is why I never use that. Mm -hmm. I never clump people like that. Yeah. That's not true. I clump certain people. Well, yeah. I only clump them like within matters of like technology, like the fact that they've always had computers and social media and all of this stuff. And we didn't have any of that when we were teenagers. Yeah, but we're a transition. What we are is we're transitioners. Oh. We started out, I'll speak for myself now, started out with vinyl mm -hmm. and, and then moved to eight tracks and then moved to cassettes and then moved to to mini disc and then move to CD and then move to <clears throat> digital. I mean, we're transitionists. We've been through all of it. 
Yeah. All the I things. remember all of those. I mean, I was pretty little when 8-Tracks went out, but I still remember 8-Tracks. We had a stereo that had an 8-Track player. I mean, like I said, I was like nine, but we still had one. I remember it. Transitionalists. That's what we are. We still have a uh, record player. My mom loves it. Really? Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, there were no movies at all except for going to the movie theater. Mm-hmm. God, I'm old. <laughs> I remember when MTV started. Yep. I was in high school when MTV started. I think I was in junior high. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, don't lump us together. <laughs> None of us actually know how to use real words. I l- seriously heard someone at work the other day say "lit city," and I was like, well, "What does that mean? That's not a thing." <laughs> what it, What does it mean? I have no idea. <laughs> Somebody pull up Ur- Urban Dictionary. Lit city. He was talking about. He was like, "How drunk are we getting this weekend?" Oh, we're like, oh, I get it. Like we're gonna get lit up. Like lit, lit city. city. More than lit up. So much lit that it's gonna light a city. You know, me and Martha were talking about that over breakfast this morning on the way here, how like um, Martha uses bigger words. Her vocabulary is larger than mine, Mm -hmm. which is okay. It doesn't intimidate me. But then my math skills are better than hers. So we're like the perfect trade off. We are. We're like the perfect match because, you know, she helps me with that and I help her with. Right. Because unlike some people, I don't care. I'll ask if I don't know what it means. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, what's that mean? Well, what's you know, mean? and I have often been accused of being a, a literary snob, but that's not true. The reason that I use the words that I know is that I feel like you should you should contribute in the way that you would like to see the world change. And I would like to see people have a larger vocabulary, um, a larger command of the English language. We have a lot of words and we don't use them. Right. Yeah. Well, I know Jessica uses, yeah. has a larger vocabulary than I do. Maybe it's My just because... My son has an amazing vocabulary. If I didn't do anything else right, yeah, I did, that, did that right. Like my friends Sarah and Justin and my friend Alex all have really large vocabularies too. So it's it's just interesting. There Be the change you want to see in the world, girls, which is why we're here, which is why we do a book podcast. Because I really wanted to see people. I do want to see people talk about books more often. Mm-hmm. Books are awesome. They are awesome. Preach the word. <laughs> it is a Sunday after all. The written word. What was it? Literary Messiah over here. <laughs> I am a literary Messiah. <laughs> Bringing you the my Sunday morning sermon to you. It is Sunday morning. I it know. Is. Yeah, recording on Sunday morning is a little bizarre because the Friday night just feels so good and giddy. Sunday yeah. morning is so wrong. <laughs> well, we're kind of giddy. <laughs> we did eat this time. Jeff, yeah. work tomorrow. So Last time when we did an early podcast, Bonnie was hangry. I was, yeah, I so was I made hangry. sure to feed her before I brought her here today. <laughs> well, it so. wasn't so much hangry as I had a headache. And then oh, I took drugs. Yeah. And then yeah, I had a right. stomach ache because yeah. I took drugs and I hadn't eaten. And it was just... Drugs a- are bad, okay? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> Mr. Mackey. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for getting that <laughs> reference. See, and that is so far from a literary reference that you can't get any farther. We went from use big words to South Park. <laughs> yeah. South Park's awesome. <laughs> Love South Park. You're so wrong. Yeah. Yep. 
they're so wrong. You feel a little guilty for laughing at some of the things that they did. A little so guilty. Funny. <laughs> hey, I always felt guilty for ever, ever having watched it in the first place. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like I felt my IQ dropping by points, points, That's points. More oh, than a guilty pleasure. That's the kind of thing that you watch with your finger on the remote in case somebody walks in the front door. Oh, I was watching news. <laughs> I can't believe you just admitted to that. <laughs> <laughs> to having actually done that I've actually yeah. done it too but yeah in case my husband came home you know and watched <laughs> caught me watching cops or whatever cops. I don't watch cops the cops I'm just kidding when I used to work two jobs and I came home like one of the only things that would be on when I got home because I didn't eat dinner until I got home until like one o'clock in the morning was cheaters so I started <laughs> watching cheaters when I got home from work for my second job I came and home. The, oh my god, that's one that you have to watch with a remote. <laughs> I came home the other day and no one was in the living room, but our TV was on for some reason. It was on catfish, and I was like, "Oh Lord, what is happening to my household?" <laughs> well, you do live in the country. <laughs> yeah, what? Impractical Jokers is another good one. They I were, watched that. Dylan that was, was watching funny. that last I love night. That one. That was pretty funny. And the lists. I I put up a bunch of stuff on our Facebook page. A bunch of lists. Mm-hmm. There's one. Did you see it? The historical fiction. New historical fiction. Oh, I probably didn't know. I put it up. On I probably our, saw it, but I didn't know. On our it. Facebook page. And I don't remember if I shared the one for horror novels or not. I think I did. I looked at the one that something about adults should be embarrassed to read. Which, if you read the article, because it's about young adult novels, mm-hmm. it looks like that's what it's about. But, but if you actually really. read the list itself... It basically says you shouldn't be ashamed to read anything you like. Yeah, that's one of yep. the ones that's down there. Yeah. Well, there's some things that's kind of true, like don't read somebody else's text messages while they go to the right. bathroom. Don't read other people's email. You yeah, know, which is kind of common courtesy well, yeah. kind of stuff, which is completely lost nowadays, I think. So anything you shouldn't read, like you shouldn't read a book you don't enjoy. Like right. just put it down for Pete's sake. See, I've said that a thousand times. And mm-hmm. I was like, I have to finish. But you're you're over that. You've you've come over the hump. Well, sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. It depends on how much I loathe the book. Well, you know, there have been times when I have powered through. Girl on the train. Girl on the train. God. <laughs> Girl on the train. Everybody was so insistent. These are broken <laughs> records. Well, yeah. I know. Well, we just have to get our point across. If we still had vinyl, <laughs> you guys would be cracked. You'd need more than a quarter on top of your needle to play that tune. Yeah. <laughs> Girl on the train. And what's the other one? Into the water. <laughs> what? Into the water. That was the other one, right? Yeah. That you fell asleep yeah, during. Yeah, I did. I fell asleep yeah. during it. I was like, yawn. And watch that be a huge thing just because. Just Which because. there's sometimes that I'll finish one just because, like, if somebody, like, when I read Fifty Shades of Grey, I finished the whole thing even though I did not like it because everyone else. Some other friends that I had pressured into it. I just liked it it so much. Well, I just kept thinking that maybe it gets better. Yeah. Well, yeah. In in, in the case of Girl on the Train, it did get better. Especially when everything is so hyped up, you keep reading it, thinking this has got to get better than it's good. Yeah. The second two thirds of that book was was excellent, Mm -hmm. but that first third, holy shit! On Girl on the Train. Yeah. Yeah. No, Fifty not, Shades not of Grey didn't. Of no, Grey didn't. there was no, there were no redeeming qualities in that book that Which I could ascertain. There's some people that like it, but I just, I didn't even pick that book up. You know, maybe if the writing style had been more of something that I liked, mm-hmm. it could have I'm been all a for better a good book. Smut, well, but right. 
I mean, if it was written by a 13-year-old, forget it. Creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember being in like high school when it first came out, and all these girls would like bring it to school, and they'd be like, "Look at this part." Yes, exactly. It was it's, it's teen porn. Grow up. <laughs> That's gross. I don't need to hear about that in my trig class. Thank you. <laughs> Actually, I wasn't thinking that. I was thinking, really? That's all? That's supposed to be smut? I can think of things worse than that. Maybe you should Let write, me write something did on you the cliff notes on here. Did you know you can make a lot of money writing smut, Bonnie? Maybe that's where your calling is going to come in. <laughs> what are you trying to say? I'm dirty? I, I do have a dirty mind. <laughs> I try right. not to. We have really digressed here. Well, yep. we're still talking books a little. True. All right. Books we don't like, so we should probably switch to the ones that we do like. Well, right. Because since we're always harping on those. <laughs> oh, <wait>. Your word. <laughs> Which I did not read any smut this week. You do. We never did get our smut. Um, Y'all are going to have to suggest a smut novel for me because I don't even know what to read for that. <laughs> well, we can't get Giselle in here anyway. She's got four kids. Yeah, she's busy. To get her in. She's a busy person, <laughs> which is maybe why she likes to read smut. <laughs> Sorry, maybe, Giselle. Maybe it's not so much that she's reading it for the enjoyment, but for you know the, the learning. release. No, the learning experience. <laughs> no, I don't think she needs any help in that department. She's got four kids. Nope. She already knows what to do. Sorry, Giselle. Again. So, you girls, did, did you have a good reading week? Yeah, yeah, pretty good. My book was longer than what I thought it would be. I thought I would be, you know, be able... Because I have books that I want to read that I can't review because we've already reviewed them. And I was looking for something short and it turned out not to be short. But the, okay. the book I'm reading this week, I still haven't finished the dinner. And I wanted to talk about it so bad this week, but I didn't finish it because school has got me all over the place all the time. And well, you know, so I tried good. to read that book. So why don't you... Why don't you start, Jessica, and then you can... With what? The dinner? The dinner. I don't want to talk about it yet because I haven't finished it. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to talk about a different one. But I really liked it so far. We'll see. See, I stopped. So I want, I want from when you brought it into work that time and I read the back of it, it sounds really freaking good. Mm-hmm. I well, want to read it. somebody checked it out on our Metro. Did you check it out? The dinner? Um. Mm-hmm. Did I? I think I put it on hold. Yep. It's. I thought it was up. Is it? Yeah. Well, I can't. I can't do anything now because I got too many books started. I have. I will talk about that one next time because I'm really close to being done, but I want to finish it so I can give it like a full assessment instead of just what I think about it right now. But mm. that's fair. <clears throat> do you want to start though? Sure. Oh, by the um, way, Nicole is out this week. She is in San Francisco. <laughs> Ooh. I told her to bring me back some sourdough be- bread, and she said no. Can you believe she said no to me? How Even rude. a bitch. Does she not know? <laughs> sourdough bread is like my favorite thing ever. It is. From San Francisco. It tastes different from there, you know. That's what you've told me. I've never been to San <laughs> yeah. Francisco. God, I love San Francisco sourdough. Okay, so. Okay, so Jessica. I did... The Museum of Extraordinary Things by Alice Hoffman. And it's one that I've read before and I really, really enjoyed it. So I went back and like reread through it and got a better thing of it. And now, isn't she the one that, what What else did she write? Didn't she write The Lovely Bones? Something like that, probably. Mm-hmm. I think so. We watched that movie. I didn't read that book. Oh. Lovely Bones. Isn't that yeah. the one that we that watched? 
Yeah. Isn't that another really depressing one? It is. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, well, I think... But it was um, really well written, though. I think Nicole talked about the Lovely Bones one time, didn't she? I don't remember. Gosh. That sounds like her kind of book. Yeah. Anyways, go so ahead. Anyway. Sorry. But it's about... There's, like, kind of two storylines that end up kind of interla- like interlacing, which is something I really like in books, because I like having more than one thing going on that I have to think about. Um, but the two main characters are Coralie and then Ed- Eddie. And Coralie is the son or the daughter of the professor who owns this Museum of Extraordinary Things, which are a lot of them are fakes because he's kind of an awful person once you find out through the course of this book. Oh. Um, but he also hires like bearded women and dwarves and you know these people to come be in his museum. Oh, so of it's extraordinary like a museum name. of curiosities type yes. thing, a two-headed cow. And, and she has webbed hands. And feet. So from the time she was really, really little, he would put her in this tank of water and get her to like be an excellent swimmer. So she's his mermaid in his museum. Oh, and, that's creepier than shit. Yeah, it gets really creepy because there's a little bit of a minorly rapey part in oh, it. Oh, um, rapey. I hate rapey. Because apparently people are really attracted to weird things. So, um, well, yeah. So. <laughs> we all knew that. <laughs> hey, baby, I like your webbed feet. It turns me on. I mean, right Jessica's blushing what six shades. She's out of your. She's out of your league. Where she has the webbed toes. That's what that <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> Hello? Yep. We're all inclusive here. But um, Aquaman might like her. <laughs> for real. But anyway, so a business has gone down in the museum. So his, her father decides that she's he's going to make um, this story about the sea monster swimming in the Hudson River because it's set in Coney Island. And so... He sends her down the river and she you know, messes with fishermen and stuff like that because she's an excellent swimmer because he's put her in tanks of water since oh. she was like three. And so so that so that he can um, bolster his story. About- so, so when he finds the sea monster. he Yeah. OK. Um, and on one of her swims down the Hudson, she finds this body and she doesn't really, like a that's been murdered. It's a girl who's been murdered and she finds it in the river. And she tells her dad because she doesn't know what to do. And so he takes the body and he's transforming it into the sea monster. Oh my God, that is so incredibly gross. But the other side of the story is this guy named Eddie who is a photographer. And there's, was it, the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire? Um, He got pictures of it. And this guy whose daughter was supposedly in the factory when it caught fire... They couldn't find her body. They can't find all these things. And so he's asked Eddie to find the body. And in the course of his searches for it, he meets Coralie and they fall in love. And he's like trying to help her get away from her psychotic dad. (laughs) And so this whole big thing and it ends with like this huge bang. And it's actually really, really good. You know what? Lots as of twists as and that turns. Sounds, it's right up my alley. I know. Yeah. That's why I told <laughs> you. Like, oh, I know she'll love this. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really, really interesting. And I'm gonna see if that's on mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going right to the library. I'm gonna look in the library right now and see if that's available. That sounds so awesome. Because you know I love a good murder mystery, and if you put a little twist of something bizarre in there, oh yeah, and there's like bearded ladies and. 
fires. There's lots of fires. And it kind of reminds me of American Horror Story. Of course, that was a terrible storyline, that carnival when they did. Except I haven't for the watched cre- the carnival one. Except for the creepy clown. It was really good until the creepy clown was gone, and then it was like, Ugh. I kind of <laughs> want to go back and watch all of them again, because it's been a while since I've watched Oh, there's them. a new one coming out, Cult. It's coming out like in a couple of days. Now, see, that sounds right up my alley. You no know, I way. Like the I've seen the pre the little preview like clips. No way. And I just shudder. I love American Horror Story and hate it at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. It's yeah. It's not my thing. I don't like scary movies. Ooh, I love. I them. think I told you guys about my brother tormenting me with after what making me watch Insidious. Yeah, I think you did tell us that. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's I love available. you, Michael, but I hate you. Check it it's out. pretty good. I mean, it's a and it's a quick read and it's an easy read. But success, you have borrowed this title. I freaking love the freaking library. Oh my gosh, me too. So favorite. that was Museum of Extraordinary Things mm-hmm. by Alice Hoffman. And I'll be able to discuss that with you the next time we get together. Yeah, it's a. I really like the storyline. I don't. It's the way it's written is good too. It's not like an. I love the way this book is wit- written in a literary sense, but I really like the story. But, story. Story. It's all about the story. Well, sometimes. I mean. Fifty Shades of Grey. Well, it's all about the sex. Of course, that's kind of a dorky story, too. Story. I'm digressing again. No well, more I mean, No haters in this if, room on a Sunday morning. If you take, if you take the sex away, the story's not that great. Mm-hmm. True. I mean. I, w- I once uh, saw a meme on Facebook that said if Fifty Shades of Grey was in a was <laughs> took place in Arkansas with a poor in, man with it'd, a poor man it'd be an episode of Cops and Criminal Minds Criminal Minds oh, Criminal Minds <laughs> okay sorry yeah, rapey sadistic mm-hmm. yeah I don't I've never read it so I don't really know I've never watched the movies but the gist I got was basically that he just likes. He dominates making her, her submissive in every aspect her all the time, and that's creepy and weird and ew. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not even that part that was just kind of. There are people that get into all it. kinds of stuff. Really, it was the fact that she was like in college when she met him, and she was a virgin, and like when she met it, he like rescued her from this guy that was hitting on her too far in a bar, and she passed out, and he was magically there, and she woke up in his limo, and. It was like, she woke up in his limo and now he wants to dominate you. <laughs> yeah, because one because that's contract because that's better than just getting yeah. hit on in a bar. <laughs> Whatever. It was just. I, I, yeah. I don't yeah. Know. Okay. We're stopping. Sorry. Stop. Collaborate and listen. I went. I went there again. <laughs> so Jessica, <laughs> what what kind of a rating would you give the Museum of Extraordinary Things? I think I'd give it a four or five. I really really liked it. And who's the author again? Alice Hoffman. Which, maybe she did. I'll Google it. Maybe she did write The Lovely Bones. I think she did. But I've heard that one's really depressing. This one wasn't depressing. It was depressing, but it was really good. It was very in-depth. Yeah. Yeah. It was really good. All right. You want to go next, or you want me to go next? Sure. Um, I read one that I thought was going to be a quick read this week, like I was saying earlier. Practical Magic. She wrote Practical Magic. Oh, okay. Um, and it's a classic. It's Grapes of Wrath. I know that we've talked about before that um, I haven't read a lot of the classics. I, they didn't require it at school like they did, like you and Nicole and 
Jessica, the I school think, that you went to was someplace where they didn't. Well, I moved around. I moved schools, so, right, so you missed some of the. I ended up actually reading the same book twice in two different schools. So if I stayed in one school, maybe the reading list would have changed. But instead, it's like I moved to a different grade and we read the stuff we read last year. Oh. So I ended up reading the same things. That's unfortunate. Yeah, but it's a like I said, Grapes of Wrath by. We John didn't. Steinbeck. We didn't have to read that one. We read of Mice and Men. Yeah, we read of Mice and Men. By him in school. I didn't ever have to read The Grapes of Wrath, partially because I think it's hard to get through. I tried reading it. I read. Did you? I read it on my own. I thought it was easy to get through. Hmm. I, I mean, didn't remember how long it was, so I apologize for that. It is It's. It is long, and it kind of goes on and on. Yeah. I think I got it confused with Raisin in the Sun, though. Mm. Well, that's great okay. I raisin, mean, I like the you know, story together. And Same difference. I love the writing. It's very poetic. Like I was telling you earlier about how they describe stuff. Like just they describe a turtle walking down the road and they do it in such a way that it's just beautiful, mm-hmm. which was awesome. But it is set in 1939 and it's during the Great Depression, during the Dust Bowl. And it's about a family who lives in Oklahoma who is packing up and going to California like a lot of people did during the Dust Bowl to look for work because mm-hmm. not only is it a depression and it's they're in the middle of a drought, it's the beginning of the introduction of like tractors. Mm-hmm. And so what took, you know, 20 men to work the land, now it only takes like three. So a lot of people were out of work. Mm-hmm. And this family, the Job family, were sharecroppers meaning the bank owned the land and they worked yep and they worked it and of course you know once the tractors came in and they didn't you know they basically were evicted the bank told them you know i don't need you anymore get out mhm which was terrible timing for those people because it was already the great depression and it was already um horrible drought conditions and right yeah Ugh. so um it starts out as Tom, which is one of the older brothers of the family, older siblings, and he has actually just gotten out of prison, mm. which he got, he went to prison for a bar fight that he got into, which he was just defending himself, so he got a lesser time, and then he got paroled for good behavior, and he shows up at the farm just as they're packing up and fixing to leave. Oh, wow. Yeah. He, and he doesn't know they're leaving? Well, he doesn't until they get there because, I mean, you know, back then all you have is letters and a lot of people didn't stop to write letters. I mean, his family was literate. They could write letters, which a lot of them back then were not. Mm -hmm. But um, they just they didn't. It just wasn't Mm. a practice that a lot of people did was write letters back and forth just to talk. So he basically hasn't talked to his family for like four years and he shows up and it's like the day before they're leaving for California. Which, of course, they're all ecstatic that he showed up because they didn't know how he was ever going to find him in California. And then it talks about their trek across because, you know, nothing is easy back in that day, especially going across country. And um, they have some deaths along the way and they Mm -hmm. have hardships, but not quite as hard as some of the other people who they come across on the road, who they kind of befriend. And then they get to California and they meet all of this discrimination against Okies, which was... (laughs) That's no joke. 
was basically <clears throat> meant you were, you know, a drifter, a bum. You yeah. were no good. I took this class called Literature of the American West, and it started, like, with the very first Western before the Depression. So, like, um, ranch hands and stuff like that, and it went all the way through the Depression after, and it, we read a bunch of, like, short stories and little novellas about people who would go to California, and people were mean to people from Oklahoma. Yeah, they were. It's just sad because I feel like one of the things that Americans are supposed to pride themselves on is like helping each other yeah, and helping right. each other out. Which but they didn't. Big, which they, they did don't. Crap. Yeah. Yeah. Just They're all about me, me, me. Because I, I know you guys have heard the term Hoovervilles, right? Which were like paper, like tent towns, like cardboard box tent mm-hmm. towns, drifters who are looking for work and they don't have homes. So they just kind of camp at the edge of cities mm-hmm. and right. towns. In mm-hmm. search of work. Well, the towns wouldn't want them there because, for one thing, mm-hmm. they drove the um, what the farms paid people, the wages down because they would work for so much less than what normal Gee, people would work. What, else, what other population does that sound like? <laughs> Migrant workers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what they would do is they would come out one time at night and they would just light it on fire. They uh-huh. would just torch the whole wow. Hoovervilles. Yeah. And they would get maybe a couple hours notice so that they could have, they pack up and leave. Mm-hmm. Which, I, I mean, you know, I've studied this time period, so I knew a lot of the stuff that had happened. But to read an actual account of it in a story, mm-hmm. it's just, it makes you sad. It makes you just. Oh, yeah. I think I read a short story about it where, like, they wouldn't let. The Oklahoma kids go to schools because they were dirty or they wouldn't let them in their churches because this and that and the other. But then to make themselves feel better, they would come and give them something on Christmas. The Okies were like, no, you don't want us to worship with you. You don't get to be your hoity-toity self and give us stuff. Maybe that explains why Oklahomans are such assholes to outsiders. Because they were treated poorly once. (laughs) But you would think it would go the other way around. Having moved here from elsewhere, I can honestly say... That most of the Okies that I met here were total dicks to me. Really? Yes. Only people from other places have been nice. Hmm. That's strange. We're supposed to be the big friendly. Yeah. Well, Texas was friendly. Oklahoma was not, just for the record. (laughs) Well, I can't really say that because I've never... Of course, (laughs) I moved here from New York, too. And people here are more friendly than New York. But... It's almost like a, um, almost like a fake friendly. Hmm. I would have to say like, not, not that they're like backstabbing or anything in their friendliness. They're just like, it's almost like a politeness Yeah, and more, more of a politeness and less of trying to be your friend. Actually be, it's more like you're, it's like something you feel like obligated to do instead of being something that you actually want to do. Right. Which is still nice. At least they acknowledge your existence and. New York, most of the time they, you know. I guess it depends on where you go. Look through you. Well, the town that I moved to does not like outsiders. Yeah. At all. I mean, to the point of ridiculousness. Mm. My son was treated so poorly when we came there. It was amazing. Awful. Sad. Jones isn't like that. Like, we've always been like a really inclusive town. So we're like, anybody that moves in, we're like, hey, do you want to come over and swim? Or, hey, do you want to go play football in the park? Or, that was just always how we were, so I guess that's how I always think everybody in Oklahoma is, but I've been to, like, 
driving through Edmond is rough. I mean, people who are... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it does depend a lot on what region you're in, but... Mm -hmm. So I guess I shouldn't lump all Oklahomans into that category. (laughs) Yeah. But I'm always... I always try to be super nice to anybody that comes in from anywhere else Mm -hmm. to compensate. Mm -hmm. We had to rescue this poor little girl from the bar the other night. (laughs) She was in Coyote Ugly by herself, this cute little girl. She was so sweet. She's from New Mexico, and she was there by herself. She was just kept getting hit on by these like really creepy old guys. So why was she in there? Then I don't know. It's so we, cause we were really worried about her because we we're like watching her because we're like she's gonna get taken. So eventually, me and my friend Lana go over and they're like, "Hey, do you want to come sit with us? They probably won't bother you as much if you're talking to other people." And so she came <laughs> and sat with us, and then went out and hung out with us the whole night. And maybe she had a blind date that didn't show up or something. I don't know. She had been. She was with her family. And they had taken their little brother to that arcade, the Brickopolis thing. Oh. And she said she just felt really weird because she was like way too old to be in there. But that was nice that you guys, you know, invited her over yeah. to your table. And, you know, I always try to tell Tyler. I've always tried to to instill Tyler into that well, kind Tyler's of thinking. Well, Tyler's the reason that Dylan survived it. Yeah. Because, you know, they became friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So not all Okies are bad because Tyler's an Okie. Yeah. And I've always tried to tell him, you know... You need to look at the other person. Think about how you treat other people and how you would feel in that situation and do something to make it better for them. Mm. So, and he's always been really good about that. I mean, just inviting people to join into games or like going and talking to new people. He's, I'm pretty proud of him about that. He's a good boy. He is. He is not. So, Grapes of Wrath. Yes. (laughs) Sorry, we got way off. I'm sorry. No, it was actually all part of the same subject because we were talking about being outcasts. Mm-hmm. Right. In California. Right. Which they really are. And I mean, it's just like I said, they just don't have any. When they go to California, the people in California are just. Mean. It's like the rich people are afraid. They're almost afraid of the. The amount of. Um, pen, you know, people going there looking for work. They're mm-hmm. afraid of them. So to try to make sure they stay in their place. They're like extra mean to them and like burn down their their tent cities and you well, know. rich people don't like homeless people because it reminds them of how much they have. Right. And the banks, you know, set purposely set a low wage to try to keep these people moving on so they don't stay in their towns. They don't want them to stay in their towns. Hmm. That's so sad. They're just not very welcoming, which is. Yeah, it is sad. Because, you know, this is before they have any kind of assistance from the government. I mean, if you're starving and you have no money to buy food, you die. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. Well, which is the Great Depression is the reason for, you know, the way the government operates now. Mm-hmm. To the chagrin of people who don't like to give aid to their fellow man. But you Yeah. Know. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. But I really do enjoy this book. Um which shouldn't be any surprise since I do love historical fiction. <laughs> and depressing stuff. Right. And I Depression. like I like stories about people and about their lives. Some people might think it's boring and there's not enough action. There's not enough fight scenes and car chases. But I think just being able to be a part of somebody's mm-hmm. life and their experiences is just awesome because you get to you. It's like you have an inside look at how they think. 
I think Steinbeck's really good about that. I love him. Like, and his mm-hmm. writing style is so, like, poetic, and you get, like, a feel, you get actual feelings from the words. <laughs> yeah, you do. And I, I, I mean, I do. I like that. I really like that. So I would still give it a, a, a five, maybe a four and a half, because it's, it's going a little long. <laughs> it's, Rambling. it's a long book. Well, it's kind of like when you get near the end of a book and you're just ready to be done with it. Yeah. And you still have three or four chapters it's to like go. like the beautiful and the damned. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I do really like it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Martha? Well, I you? forgot last week. I said when Christy was here that I was going to review The Rise and Fall of Dodo mm-hmm. by, by Neil Stevenson and Nicole Galand. And the reason I forgot about it is because I actually paid for it, (laughs) which I don't often do. I usually will go to the library. And then if I like a book, then I'll go purchase a copy of it. But in this case, the wait list was so long and it's a Neil Stevenson book. So I knew that I was going to like it. Mm -hmm. So I bit the bullet and paid the Audible credit. I do have Audible. I just save my credits for things that I want. I know I want to keep. Right. And so I went ahead and, and got a copy of it. And I actually do have a hard copy of it now as well. Um, but it is, it's an interesting approach because it's about, it's about time travel, but yet it's about magic at the same time. It's about a guy who invents a machine which allows magic to be done inside the space because magic disappeared from the world at a certain point in the 1800s where everybody witnessed an event and and there was photographic evidence of it mm-hmm. so that's that was the final demise of magic because the event was witnessed by so many people and there was f- photographic evidence of it. Magic completely disappeared. Well, he, he invents this machine that, among other things, allows him to go back in time. But that's not until after the government makes his machine for him. When he first does it, he does a very small-scale version with using cats. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, doing bizarre experiments with cats. Don't do mean things to little kitties. Well, I don't think any cats are harmed in the making of this book, but um, it is fictional. <laughs> but the reason that when when we start the book out, it begins with this linguistic student. She's a she's a she does all she speaks a bunch of different languages, and that's what she studies. And she's approached by this guy that belongs to this mysterious agency. Who wants to hire her? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. she she ends up going to work for him. And later, of course, she figures out what exactly it is. They want her because obviously she can speak. She can speak ancient languages. Right. So they build this machine and the government um, The government agency is called DODO, which stands for the Department of Diachronic Operations. And basically, you know, they send people back in time 
uh, and th- but there are some things that you have to have in order to go back in time or have to not have. You can't have any any metal in your body because it it comes ripped out when you yeah. like say if, say if you have a gold tooth and mm. you get sent back in time, your tooth will be left there. <laughs> I know. What? So no metal plates in your head. No, you're not eligible to go back in time. Half if of your brain would be laying on the. But what they do initially, because I think the object of it is so that they can, it's it's a very complicated book. It's very complicated, which was one of the reasons I liked it so much. Mm -hmm. But um, in order to fund their operation, they need to make money. But in order to do that, they're going to, they start their experiment by, they go back in time to the date when the very first book was printed. And then they have the person that goes back in time, the linguist. She um, actually procures a copy of the book, steals it. And she has a barrel made, a special barrel made to put the book inside. And then she buries it in a certain place so that they can dig it up in the present. So that they can fund their experiment. (laughs) With this book? (laughs) So she has to go back like five or six different times because something goes wrong. But they don't know what, of course. You know, she goes back in time. She does everything. She buries it. They dig up the garden and and there's nothing there. So then they have to go back again and again and again. Well, they have to, they identify witches That are still able, only certain people can operate the machine because only certain people can do magic. But they can only do magic in that spot. It's like sci-fi meets Harry Potter. It's It's like, it's the weirdest combination (laughs) of magic and technology that I think I've ever read. Even more than that, the giant one where they find the giant hand. Yeah, well, because that was mostly technology. But there was only specific people that could work the machine, though. But that was more down to DNA, I think. Okay, go ahead. So it's like this weird combination of magic and technology that just really made the story rich and interesting. It had so many moving parts. It was just such a fun book to read. Plus, it had a great storyline. The characters are all very compelling. I love books where you get thrown into this different world that has totally different it was complete, like laws and yes, it was things. completely... It, in fact, there was a section in there that, I mean, this this is an example of how bizarre it became at times. They they had been going back in time to Vikings and, and doing interaction with Vikings because, of course, the government mm-hmm. wants to do nefarious things with this technology. Of mm-hmm. course they do. So they go back in time to, to influence certain things. So, so they go back to the Vikings well, there's this one Viking they decide to bring forward. Okay. Well, he sees Walmart and he's like, oh, my gosh. Because, you know, Vikings like to sack and pillage. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is the perfect place for me to go. Exactly. <laughs> so he like sees Walmart as the shining example of the perfect place to sack. So his, his whole thing. Pillage and plunder. He, yes, he, he ends up conspiring with a witch in the past to bring a bunch of Vikings forward to sack Walmart. Oh my. <laughs> so, I mean, there's just so many 
so many things That's about this awesome. book that were just highly enjoyable. It was it was brilliant. I knew it would be because it's Neil Stevenson, and you know how much I like him. Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> I would definitely I'm give it a five. Just thinking of Thor being a Walmart shopper. <laughs> exactly. Just the uh, the way that they described this guy when he saw Walmart for the first time. I mean, they they he's he hyper focuses on lidocaine and the availability of lidocaine because when he comes through, they fix his wounds, right? Uh-huh. And it's, it goes numb, and he's like, "Whoa." You know, so they want to know where he he wants to know where they got this this magical lidocaine. Mm-hmm. Well, they got it at Walmart. Mm-hmm. So that's he wants to see that when they take him in Walmart, he wants to see where the lidocaine is, mm-hmm. and he's hyper focused on that. He like zooms in at the idea how how valuable this would be in the past. You know, <laughs> right. so he wants to p- plunder and pillage Walmart to take it back to the past. Well, I think he's more. It's just the whole idea that he that this is the promised land, you know. Ah, yeah. Because okay. you really can't take anything back to the past. Okay. Well, that was my question. Yeah, you I, can't. Okay. You can't take anything back. You, you have to be land. naked to go back, and you can't have any. But you can you can plant things in places and bury them, and you know, and in so the that past, you can have them right for the future, but not vice versa. Right. Right. Because okay. obviously, it's the um, land of milk and honey is one way. <laughs> now, obviously, I can't explain everything in the book in detail because it is so complicated that my tiny mind couldn't comprehend, which is probably the reason I liked it so much. I'm sure you comprehended just well. You should read The Sirens of Titan. It, you'd like it, I think. That sounds awesome. It's uh, Kurt Vonnegut. So it's one of those where it's like there's just all these different little loops and you're like, what? <laughs> For a little yeah, bit. I'm going to have to. Kurt Vonnegut's one of the ones that's on my list. The Sirens of, of Titan. Things to get to. Okay, so that was The Rise and Fall of Dodo by Neil Stevenson and Nicole Galand. Ooh. It sounds interesting. It was very, very different. And I've kind of gone back in time a little bit. I started reading again a book that I loved as a younger person. When I first started getting back into reading again after Delumnus Born. I picked up uh, by someone recommended The Mists of Avalon to me. And it would, had been on some of the lists of great books. The lists. So I read it. Have, have either of you ever read The Mists of Avalon? Mm-mm. It was actually on that list of horrible books the other day. Really? Remember the one that we talked about where people hated, hated some I'm... of the classic books or whatever? And it was on that one. I was like, man, I need to look at that again. And see if I like it as much as I liked it in the first place. It's very Arthur, Arthurian, Arthurian, the King Arthur legends. Oh. But it takes a completely different approach in that it's mostly from the point of view of the women in the story. Which, the and you get a lot of the druid connection where you don't get that from a lot of... Um, all the other stuff, it's all about the, right. the it's table all about, and the... Exactly. So it was, it's just very, I I had forgotten how much I liked it. The first book of it, I liked a lot better. I'm I'm in, I'm into the second book now where Christianity is starting to totally swallow up everything and it's making me angry because, (laughs) you know. You lose some of the magic and the fun. Yeah. I like that whole, I don't know. I like the magical time. Mm Mm-hmm. 
But there are still, I've still got most of this one and then the next one. So maybe I'll talk about that in a future podcast and, and talk about whether I would recommend it as a whole, because the way I read it, it came in a, came in one big book mm-hmm. and I didn't even realize it was three separate books. Really? Well, I have to find time to, I have been so, read. I've been so busy with school. I haven't had like any time to read and it makes me really sad. <laughs> We'll yeah. have to find some short ones for you. It's like I try to read. I try to read for about thirty minutes before I go to bed, or like an hour before I go to bed, so I can sleep. But then I fall asleep reading, and then I don't really remember what I read, so I have to start back over where I started. Yeah, I've done yeah. that before. But, See, I've been crocheting like a maniac lately, so I haven't read as much as I usually do. Audiobooks. I am on the wait list for the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. That is such a fun book. Well, you it know, it's so do. incredibly ridiculously fun. I'm tempted to just go see if I can find it at Half Price Books since they're doing their big sale. Oh, that's right. Yes. Oh big my sale. gosh, Half it's Price the Books. big sale at Half Price Books for the Labor Day weekend. And you know, here we are on Labor Day weekend inside a radio station control room. <laughs> talking about books. Everybody else is out on the beach, and we're like, woohoo, books! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a Half Price Book sale. Yes, I think I'm going to take my little brother tomorrow. Are you? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. what we do. That's when we hang out, <laughs> me and Alan. And you look at books. We go get books together. Okay, kids. Should we wrap this baby up? Yep. Sounds good. Okay. I don't have anything to add. No snarky comments for me today. Well, <laughs> no more than I've already done. <laughs> We've had our spill about the books we hate. Again. Again. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we try not to be haters. It's, I think it's we're just trying to compensate for how much hype everybody else gives them, so we have to talk about See, it every time. I think that's the point <laughs> right kinda... there. It's like the overhype that happens for certain types of books makes me cross, which is one of the reasons I stop reading James Patterson. Yeah, and... but like I said, again, like I said, like... Bleh, it I doesn't matter talk. what you read. Just read. Right. If you read and that's the, your kind of book that you that's like to right. read, don't then let that's us dissuade great. you. Read what you read, love what you read, and don't let anybody give you any shit about just it. Just because mm-hmm. we don't like it doesn't mean that you're not allowed to like it. You're not allowed to. Just like you don't like Girl on the Train, but I loved it. So there we go. <laughs> and you haven't been able to finish the dinner, and I'm really liking it. So Right. I, st- I actually started reading the dinner and, and let it go back. Yeah, so see, everyone has different tastes. That's what makes the world go round. If we were all the same, it would be a boring place to live. And a boring podcast. So there you go. Yes, exactly. Woohoo. <laughs> I guess that's gonna do it for three, three book, book girls. girls.